Hello and welcome Hello. to the Popcorn Brothers. My name's Eli. I'm Isaac. And we are here to talk to you about movies as we do every week. We give each other movies that the other one has not seen as we are two brothers with very differing opinions. And we go at it. Ham. Go hard in the paint every week talking about what we think. How was your week, Isaac? Uh, it's been pretty good. Um, I went to a wedding of one of my friends from here that had moved away, so that was really fun. Had a good weekend. It was so technically a destination wedding as far as you're concerned. Yes, I went. I drove up to Lexington, Kentucky, and uh, I got to visit Keeneland, which is a historical racing track. That's where the reception was held. It was really fun, really nice. Ooh. So that was cool. That was cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, my week was also well. Thank you for asking. I, oh, uh, yeah. I worked. And <laughs> I mean, I've been working, I, too. <laughs> the glamour of adulting. Am, oh, yeah, man. That 8, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. is really starting to get to me. It is a, it is a realistic thing. <laughs> it is the rest of my life, so I better get used to it. Time to, time to strap, strap myself in and prepare for that wild, wild ride. But... Anyways, on to the docket for this week. What we have, we do not have it this week at the movies for the first time in a long time. Not even a this week at the Netflix. We have a this week in the Oscar news. And uh, maybe I'll play some cool Oscar music over this. But Isaac has informed me that there's some big Oscar news. And I think I saw a parody article uh, from the AV Club about it. And I am interested to hear what you have to say, Isaac, because I have not looked it up. We've decided I will be the guinea pig in this situation, and that's how we will start the episode. But well, following yeah. that, we will we will jump into our trailer for the week, trailer watch with Bel Canto, a book that you have read that I I've have read this heard book. Of? Yes, I might have heard of it. I have, you probably no idea. You what to might have. Um, it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty popular novel, and actually, the author is from Nashville, so you may have heard it about it just basically through discussions about that. I think, but. How old is the author? Is the author uh, she's alive? in her fifties. Yeah, she's alive. Huh? I didn't know that at all. I mean, the novel's not I'm that old. There. It's from the uh, early noughties. <laughs> no, oh, two thousands. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we're we're on the same page. All right. And following Bel Canto, we will jump into Lady Bird. What what many consider to be the best indie film of the last year? Is that is that correct? Uh, I think it's pretty it's pretty popular um, in. Uh, critic circles but i'm interested to see what you have to say i have heard some differing opinions of my own personal ones just in talking to Mm. some other people so it'll be i feel like we'll have an interesting discussion on that i might have some uh input from just you know other people that i know who have also seen it too though if you've seen some other people or if you know some other people who have seen it too they can talk about it too but well you can talk about what they thought they're not going to be talking about it on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've got opinions from two or three of my friends and I'll bring up what they had to say versus what I had to say and stuff as well. So we'll, well, a very wide ranging perspective here, but uh, that's enough of an intro. Let's jump right on into what we've got to do, Isaac. So what is the big news? It is eating me up inside. I need to know. Okay. So the big news, which was just announced today, we're recording on Wednesday, actually. I've, I mean, it's sent sort of um, the entertainment industry. I mean, it's one of the biggest things that we've kind of are talking about for a while. So starting in 2020, well, first off the boring stuff. So apparently they're going to make the awards show earlier in the year by about a month. Right now, it runs usually late February, early March. It's going to run in 2020, like the first weekend of February. That's not that interesting. So, um, who cares? Why did they even do this? Well, I don't know. I think I have some thoughts about why they might have done that potentially, but I don't know for sure. Um, on top of that, they're also capping the ceremony at three hours. So, they're trying to make it a little shorter. I heard what they're going to do is that some of the awards that are typically given out during the ceremony uh, that's televised are going to be given out during commercial breaks. And then, wow. the, but what, but they're going to record the people receiving their awards during the commercial break. And then they run it later on in the show so that it shortens the amount of time that they spend announcing the nominees, saying who won, the person walks to the stage, the person gives their speech, they can edit their speech. Like it's going to be some of the smaller categories, probably things that like we might care about sound mixing, sound editing, some of those things that other people may not necessarily care about sort of the viewer. I would say I will just 
preface this whole discussion sort of with, I think the point of all of these changes is because of viewership. It's because people are less people are watching the award ceremony than have in the past. Um, also yeah. that, that technique of recording some of the lesser categories and then showing who won them later on the telecast in an edited format is not a new thing. The Tonys have actually been doing that for a while now, I think. So they're not the first people who have ever decided that that's a brilliant idea that they could do. Um, yeah. But the biggest announcement, which is sending everyone into quite the tizzy, I would say, is that there is going to be a new <laughs> category for achievement in popular film. <laughs> wow. So is this, is it called the Marvel category? Is there, I, I don't, I did that currently. I just, they didn't actually even announce the name of the category. They actually didn't even announce how it will be chosen or how you determine what a popular film is and what that means for that. I have no idea. Nobody really knows, but it is an wow. achievement in quote unquote popular film. <laughs> wow that doesn't even that doesn't even mean anything agreed that is and that's what it's sort of yes. concept you could possibly base an award it's on. totally this is the award for <laughs> i mean the news has been out for this six the... to ten hours and people have already just ripped it to shreds <laughs> this is the award so that we can uh, appease the angry mob whenever we need to do so which is kind of an interesting concept considering the origin the reason that we have 10 nominees and that they changed to that about a decade ago was because people complained because the dark knight didn't get nominated for best picture so then they expanded it so that more movies that the general public had seen could get in there and then i guess apparently that's still not they feel like that's not working it's not converting with the movies that are getting nominated within that five to 10 range is not converting into viewers for the award ceremony. But I actually don't think that's the issue because we've had a lot of movies in the last 10 years that are popular, that got added into the, that arguably may have made the top 10, even though they might not have before you look at things like toy story three and up, which have both gotten in, um, but then also on top of that, some th some movies that were very popular probably would have still gotten in without that. I tend to like think that La La Land was really popular. Les Miserables was popular. That season with like King's Speech and Social Network, those were well-seen movies. Talk about Get Out has gotten in, which Get Out's probably debatable. But the fact that it was nominated for screenplay last year implies that it probably had a good shot at if there was a top five getting in there. I don't think it's the problem of the movies. I think people are just not watching the award ceremony because they have so many other things that they could watch. Let's talk about how TV ratings are down across the board, even in live sports, even on, you know, regular average weeknight viewings, they're down everywhere. So it's not like this is a, a thing that's exclusive to the Oscars. I also think that we're showing more awards shows throughout the award season that had not been on television before. So I think people aren't bothering to tune in for the Oscars because they may have already seen another award show or quite frankly, like I tend to do, I can pick out who's going to win just because of exposure to other awards shows, the internet, that sort of thing. It kind of ruins the suspense in a way. So I think there's a lot of issues that the Academy is trying to address specifically with the telecast that are, they're not looking in the right spots as to why they're trying to fix things that I don't think are the issues that's causing the problems that they've identified, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, not to mention, I don't care not to mention that this whole ceremony is about recognizing achievements in an industry that is always going to award itself or artistic merit over what's popular with the rest of the country. Like sometimes those things align and sometimes yeah. they don't. But the reality too is, is that more movies are getting made every single year and we're diverging from studios can make cheaper movies that they try to uh, submit for recognition that are artistic that aren't ever going to get shown to a lot of people. Meanwhile, ever like people don't go and see 
if Titanic was released today, I bet it wouldn't be anything like what it had been years ago. If Gladiator was released, it might not be what it was years ago either. Just because because it's all franchises. It's all sequels. It's all action movies. That's what gets people into the movie theater. But that's never been hardly things that were awarded by the Academy, aside from a couple of special instances. Yeah. No, I, you're, you're completely correct. I, um, I don't think the Oscars has any hope. I don't think with the direction they're going or the rate they're moving or what they're trying to change, like, if this was big news, I think they are completely lost already and that there is no hope that they will ever gain back what they hope to gain back to make this a continuing thing in the form that it is maybe they could completely redesign what this is but i personally don't care for awards and i think in the information age with the way we can access technology and see opinions like i I don't know if people are interested in general i don't think they are now like you have so many competing I think yeah. the only reason they ever were is because they didn't have anything else to watch on the television. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, like, you could have your own strong opinion and discuss it with whoever you wanted and gather as many opinions as you would like off of the internet. You could go to YouTube and get a billion comments on one trailer for the movie and discuss for the rest of your but, life with strangers and come to any agreement you wanted. I mean, yes, but here is a organization who's really just trying to make money because theoretically I'm assuming that's why they want the ratings to be higher is because they can charge more money for commercials Commercials. and things like that and they can make more money which the Academy does do a lot of things um, to I think preserve the history of film and the history of this which really I consider to be an art form uh, in a lot of ways and it's going to be and but are they the end all be all no there are other things that are arguably even more important I think the National Film Registry is arguably more important than the Academy is and they are they let in different things all the time and they actually wait a long time to see what becomes artistically or more culturally relevant and choose 20 films a year to let into the film registry that will be preserved hopefully I don't know if they'll make it through the apocalypse, but you never know. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just a very interesting. A lot of people have already ripped it to shreds basically because they feel like it's a consolation prize so that they could get some more eyeballs onto the uh, ceremony, but, and to give an Oscar to black Panther or something along those lines, even though I still think if we sat here and had, 10 movies get nominated for best picture today. I think black Panther had a good chance of getting in and it probably still does. Is it going to win best picture? No, Mm. probably not, but it's possible that it gets in and still gets recognition for being nominated. Let's talk. I mean, some of the greatest movies didn't win best picture. So it's not like that's the end all be all here. (laughs) Yeah, not at all. And I mean, uh, as good as black Panther is, do, do people not understand that that is, like, not really what that awards society goes for? You know what I mean? Like, that's... I don't know. As, as great of a movie as it might be for all of its merits, like, judging by the historical, like, what gets awarded and why, like, it clearly seems like, you know, insane for The Dark Knight or The Black Panther to be like, this is the best movie Which, of the year. Because they're really we not. That doesn't it. mean it's not a good movie, but is it the... No biggest achievement in filmmaking that's going to make a huge impact i mean maybe in people's minds people yeah, might remember it but if we were talking about rewarding the movie that was most quote-unquote popular you'd be giving an oscar to jumanji welcome to the jungle <laughs> yeah yeah which would. will certainly not which, get nominated you know, for best maybe- picture just calling that now <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's, I guess that's exactly what they want. And I mean, if they're willing to add this, you think they're going to change other things? Is it going to become like a, like the gong show? Who, I mean, who knows? They do whatever they need to. It actually sounds horrific. The (laughs) thought that just passed through my mind is that maybe a movie called Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, which I've seen and is a perfectly fine popcorn movie. I'm not passing any judgment on that aspect of it. But the fact that it could be sitting there saying, oh, this is Oscar winner, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. And because of X, Y, Z, not because necessarily, I mean, there's plenty of movies that are Oscar winners that, or even Oscar nominees that like to tout it, that don't make it a great movie. But I feel like we're diluting (laughs) 
the achievement of having an Oscar here. I would have much preferred that preferred to see them add uh, a category for casting or for stunts, which we yeah. still don't have either of those. Yeah, but those are going to be replaced. They're going to be replaced by commercials. That is anyways, true too. So. so not like you like. Who knows? All right, happen. I think we've discussed it. We've ripped this apart personally enough. So. <laughs> all right so if you love the oscars uh too bad we've we've told you the truth it's it's not good anymore it's only going downhill please someone rescue that poor award show anyways as we do every week you hear a sound and we watch a trailer so isaac has picked out bel canto for us this week this was released one day ago and uh, I don't know what it's about, but I'm, I'm ready to get in there. So if you're driving, do not stop driving. If you aren't driving, pull up Movie Clips Indie. That's right, you heard me. Movie Clips Indie. We are going out of our way to find the best trailers for you, for us, for the world, and review them. So we're going to check it out. Bel Canto trailer number one. You're going to hear a short beat, and we'll be right back with our review. All right, we are back. We just watched the Bel Canto trailer number uh, one. Yes, and so we are this movie in the midst is based of a hostage crisis. Book, Isaac, give us the deal. A novel, which is actually based somewhat on an actual event that did happen in real life, apparently. Um, I cannot say that I'm an expert on this book because I read it a long time ago. I think I was a senior in high school, and I read it as a... Like, we had to read it, like, you could pick between this list of books, and my group picked to read this book. Anyway, you're right. It is about a uh, hostage crisis that actually takes place over a couple of months in the book. Uh, and it involves several different uh, groups of people who, who don't ne- can't necessarily communicate together either. So they speak several different languages. It involves, um, a, you know, I don't... I think she's American and there's Japanese, I believe. And then they're in a unspecified South American country. So there's lots of different things going on. Um, it's about people and the way that people connect and sometimes how that happens through various things, even in a, you know, high stress situation, such as a hostage crisis. Uh, yes, music is a big how is some is a pretty solid the big theme through this movie or book, I, try I guess make. too yeah <laughs> so um i did not i will say that i did not it wasn't my favorite book i've ever read it wasn't terrible um i think if i read it now i would probably potentially feel differently sometimes you have to read things when you're young that i don't think you could probably grasp necessarily until you're a little bit older and you can sort of understand better but i was i knew you were gonna bring that up i actually knew that was what you were gonna say and i said i do not envy no i did know that you had to read it and i don't envy you because i've heard it's just terrible but that's just what i think um it's a pretty decent book it actually has an interesting story i think um the movie doesn't I will say that this trailer looks pretty. It looks a little melodramatic. Uh, I don't know that it's going to be some fantastic uh, movie that is nominated for any Oscars, but maybe it'll be popular film of the year. Just kidding. Uh, (laughs) But Julianne Moore's in it. I like that. It is awkward. I think that they've dubbed (laughs) a singing voice, but... uh. I don't know who you could get that could sing like that unless you just really literally cast an opera singer and you know that they're not going to do that. You know they needed a name. So here we are. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it seems I thought I felt really good about and I did get chills from this trailer. So it was a well done trailer. Which it doesn't really reveal too. I will tell you, it doesn't reveal too much of the plot at all, which is nice. And then towards the end of it, Okay, that's cool. Um, so it towards the end, it became so. I think that's what you're looking so, for. So, <laughs> uh, what's I guess melodramatic is the word I'm looking for. I just like it fell it fell into a hole, and that hole was filled with cheese, and I couldn't I couldn't last to the end. Like yeah. when they have her up on the balcony at the very end of this trailer, and they're like, "Just sing, resolve the hostage crisis," and I'm like, I'm like, all right, now let's. 
Let's be real here. I hope this isn't what actually happens. I'm sure there's way more to it than that. It's just funny that they chose to make it seem like that's what the movie is about. Um, I have the Wikipedia page pulled up here. It does mean something, but I have to find where it is. It does have a significance. There is a significance to the the word, but I can't find it right this red hot second. Um... Oh, it means beautiful singing. There it is. Bell beautiful canto singing. meaning. I can Google. I've got a smartphone. Uh, which this book was written, uh, like I said uh, earlier, it's written yeah. by Ann well, Patchett, who uh, yeah, uh, is know. from Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. She's actually a pretty well-known uh, author now. So uh, this was her sort of big break, I would say. She had written a couple things, but this was the big one. But yeah, she, she lives here. So that's kind of cool. Well... Yeah, I did really like August Rush though, and that was super melodramatic. So I might, I might actually dig this. It's like an action and a music movie, which I mean, yeah, I, I think can't that's think sort of the, of the point. I, I think that's the point of the novel too. So really seriously, we'll see. Action? I don't know. There's not really any singing? actual singing action? going on in the movie. <laughs> it's just dumb. Yeah, but so. you know, neither there were parts of. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that is true. I mean, someone sang it though. Yeah. Which I love Julianne Moore, so it's irrelevant to me. But Julianne Moore, is that who it is? I can get over the fact that she's not singing. Yes, I know. (laughs) Yeah, I hated I hated that other movie that we watched with her, but I do actually think I like her. I I do think I like her. I think she could do a good job, and I'm excited to I'm excited to see a different (laughs) side. Okay, well we won't get into that. that But where she was given nothing to work with, that was garbage. But Julianne Moore is a great actress, so that's that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's it for the trailer watch. Check out, if you did not get to yet, the Bel Canto trailer number one on Movie Clips Indie on YouTube. And now, the moment we've all been waiting for. We will pull up the curtain and talk yes. about Lady Bird. I actually Isaac. did not see this movie in the theater. Uh, I really wanted to, but theaters? it was sort of that situation... To preface, I don't mind going to the movies by myself, quite frankly. I've already actually done it this month. Like, I don't have a problem with that. I do enjoy going with somebody just because you can talk about it later. You know, like that sort of thing. Does it matter to me? Not really. I'm perfectly fine going to the movies by myself. I just never got around to this one. It was one I really did want to see. But sort of, it's hard when you get, which A, we didn't have MoviePass back then, which we won't get into a whole discussion about how MoviePass is floundering and all the things that we can or can't do with MoviePass now. True. Even though it is very annoying, I will ride my MoviePass year subscription that I have (laughs) until it either, yeah, until it is over with i will do whatever i can do with my movie pass until that year sub ends but so since we didn't have this back then it's just not one i made it to uh i saw it pretty quickly after that and i did see it before the oscars uh happened maybe not through the most uh appropriate means i would say but i did watch it so <laughs> Um, and I loved it. And Whoa, if you listen to our episode risky. about the Oscars, where we had kind of talked about everything that was nominated and that stuff, you'll know that I was sitting there uh, saying I would have voted for it in multiple categories, probably potentially anyway, at least. Uh, it was definitely one of my favorites of last year. So, Yeah, that is that is what I remember. And I remember, the reason I ask is because I remember when it came out, multiple people I knew going to see it, and they knew I was into movies, but again, no movie pass, didn't go to the theater that often. And they were like, you have to go see this movie. It's amazing. And it just like fell through the cracks. And I'm pretty sure I said the same thing uh, during our Oscar episode, probably when you were talking about it. So I am very pleased that I've finally seen this movie, and I'm ready to talk about it, and I have my own notes, but... For anyone else, uh, we will start. Um, so, with the Lady Bird came out last year. It plot. is the most Isaac, recent you, movie we've actually done on the podcast, aside from when we did a special episode with when Infinity War came out. Um, but Lady Bird is a coming of age comedy slash drama that is set in Sacramento in the early noughties. Uh, that was written and directed by Greta Gerwig. Um, are you familiar with Greta Gerwig particularly? 
Okay, well, she is an actress. I uh, she hasn't even think I've ever done a ton before. of stuff, I wouldn't say, but I do have a little bit of background on her. She is very interesting. At one point when the How I Met Your Mother when How I Met Your Mother ended and there was going to be a spinoff called How I Met Your Father, she was actually the actress that was cast in the lead role that went to pilot uh, but did not get picked up for series. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting little tidbit there. But um, so I have some actually went into some background on, on Greta Gerwig because a lot of people probably don't know who she is. Um, but I think that based on this movie and based on what she's sort of starting to do, I think that we're going to be talking about her for a long time to come. Um, so Greta Gerwig grew up in Sacramento. Uh, so you will actually, we'll talk about how this movie is 100% sort of inspired by her life, but not, it doesn't align with it, but we'll get into that later. Uh, she did go to New York and she started acting, um, when she, she wanted to go and get an MFA in playwriting. She wanted to be a playwright, but she didn't, she was rejected for that. So she turned to acting. She was sort of doing the, she was in that industry kind of up in New York where she went to school. Um, but she did a lot of co-writing and co-directing. Um, and especially within this mumblecore movement, which I was completely unfamiliar with, but apparently the mumblecore movement is a film movement that is about naturalistic acting and dialogue. Uh, It's very low budget. It focuses on dialogue over plot, and it's about people in their 20s and 30s most of the time. You can see a lot of those sort of vague aspects of that in Lady Bird. Um, But also it kind of strikes me as, you know, like uh, before sunrise, before sunset, that sort of uh, filmmaking, like Richard Linklater almost in a way too, you know? I haven't seen anything from Richard oh, Linklater, yeah. but everything that I read here about this mumblecore sort of speaks to, I think, and between Lady Bird and some oh, Richard man. Linklater stuff, she even actually at one point, uh, I did read that Greta Gerwig kind of wanted Lady Bird to be almost in response to Richard Linklater's boyhood uh, film, but you can see sort of those elements here at in play a little bit. Uh, she also worked before huh. she did Lady Bird a lot with Noah Baumbach. Uh, she actually collaborated with him on three different movies, including one co-writing credit. No, not that one. But she co-wrote Francis Ha, and she acted in, in a whale? few for him. Um, in the whale? And then she oh. struck out on her own with Lady Bird. This was her first uh, yeah. feature that she wrote and directed on her own. So that's sort of my background there. Uh, I don't have much more than that. but Okay. Cool. I need to look into more... Yeah, I haven't seen Francis I know you're Haw. a, b- a, a big one. Noah Baumbach fan, so. Francis Haw is one I definitely need to see. I um I don't know why I haven't. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's I think that's good enough for background. I think talking about mumblecore, that's definitely a big thing that I've seen in a lot. Oh, really? Of, You've like, seen that mentioned before? More, uh, oh, I see. That oh, I, you're uh, talking about like ideals kind of I didn't, of I didn't whatever, have a word but... for. Uh, no, I didn't have a word for it. I think that's a good yeah, yeah. I think that's a good, like, almost genre or description or movement. Like, we're talking about movements. I think that's, like, that is one that I definitely saw that's probably around less so a little bit now, but it's still, like, a movie will come out every so often like well, that. But there cool. used to be a bunch like that. And I saw them all, definitely during the time I was in college. So, that's really cool. That's cool to hear about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. All right. So, I don't know that this movie is Mumblecore. You mentioned that it's a Mumblecore. I just think that, so, well... There's, I think uh, that um, we, we really Greta can't worked talk too much within about the plot. that, and some of those elements are at play uh, yeah. in this film, particularly uh, sort of naturalistic acting uh, and the focus on some, maybe sometimes dialogue over plot. This skews a little younger than what it said Bumblecore was, but I mean, Lady Bird's almost in her 20s here. She's in the late teens, so... Um, but I think we can move into the plot. I do. I am sitting here looking at the Wikipedia because you know that's where I like to get my plot points from. Uh, but... I, I I dislike the way that they wrote this plot. I feel like it. <laughs> I mean, it's a plot summary, so it hits aspects of the plot that I would not have hit in the ways that I would have hit them, if that makes sense. So I'm going to try to use this more of a framework and try to talk about the film as it unfolds in the way that I think is most important. I mean, do you really, do you want, uh, I, I can see you doing this before, before you do get into it. I really do feel like this is like a broad 
picture of her time um, in her senior year of high school, moving on to college, that just touches on her relationships with all of the people in her life. I guess you could go through it point by point, but I feel like we're going to cover it in the themes. I'll still let you talk. I just wanted to. It is. I just wanted to say that it does really seem like very human and relationship focused in a way that leaves to me the plot. Well, I mean, like, yeah, of course, it takes place over basically an entire like year in Lady Bird's life, and I guess you're right. We're not really going to sit here and talk about point based plot as much as we need to talk about certain scenes or we need to talk about certain things that as they develop throughout the course of this year that we're exploring. So um, I'll just kind of start it off here, I guess. So basically the overall plot summary of this film is that uh, Christine Ladyberg McPherson is going into her senior year of high school. She lives in Sacramento. She goes to an all girls Catholic school. Um, her fa- she has a mother and a father and a adopted brother who's who is older and lives with his his living girlfriend lives at their house with they all live in the same house <laughs> and it sort of explores the things that happen to lady bird throughout the course of her senior year of high school yes. um most importantly there are a couple of different romantic relationships she encounters um Frequently, Lady Bird is at odds with her mother. They don't necessarily get along. And that's certainly one of the biggest uh, themes in the film here. But, I mean, it's a coming-of-age story. So it it includes all of those things that you get with being a teenager and in your senior year. And I think, like you said, it's relatable. And so you can, a lot of times, I think the movie is successful because you can relate to it in seeing these things. Uh, You know, trying to feeling like you're ready to grow up, even though you might necessarily not, like you can't look back and see that at the stage that you're in. If you're that, if you're that age, um, you know, exploring your early romantic notions, so love yeah. and sex and what that means. And, you know, and feeling like you, like trying to figure out who you are and where you belong and whether or not people will accept you for that is definitely certainly themes that this movie touches on there um so maybe we should just maybe we can just go through and sort of talk and uh, talk about things that happen through the movie and like you said maybe we just identify them by the relationships and sort of what happens throughout the year i think that's a good way to do it actually yeah I think it's almost easier to like stick to the characters that we really want to talk about and like focus or hone in on like their path, like talk about how it progressed. All right, yeah. And, well, like, I will actually start though with so the whole point of the movie is Lady Bird does Lady not Bird. like living in Sacramento. She thinks it's boring. She wants to go somewhere where there's you know art and culture. She's very interested in the arts. She wants to move to New York, so she applies for schools on the East Coast. Um, it's going to be very difficult for her to get into them because she's not a superstar student. Uh, her family is struggling financially, even to put her into the Catholic school. That's an aspect, you know, that's a plot point of the movie. Um, so she also is trying to do things that will get her closer to accepted into w- one of these schools. And basically she's sort of chasing this far off dream of, um, uh, I don't even want to say it's stardom. She just wants to be a part of something. I think that's bigger than what she feels like Sacramento represents because she does. She's I, she didn't even know they had a theater program. A big part of the movie is her sort of joining this theater program, then quitting because she thinks at first she thinks it's going to help her get into the school, but then she's not very good at it necessarily. She doesn't get a great part. Um, but that's the overall arcing narrative of the whole film, essentially. And I think that's an important aspect. It sort of, re- everything else relates to that in a lot of ways. Um, certainly the, well, yeah. And certainly yeah, that's and it comes the around biggest relationship mom, that we see displayed in the movie is the relationship between Lady Bird so. and her mom. Um, so Lady Bird's mother is played by, uh, Laurie Metcalf. Her mom's name is, uh, Marion and she works very hard. She works overnight at a, uh, sort of, uh, psychiatric hospital, I believe it is. Um, and she and Lady Bird, it's so, I, 
I will never not be able to think about this movie and think of that first opening scene, which is, I think my favorite scene in the movie (laughs) because I I could never. So I'm about to spoil this whole scene. So they're like going on a cot. They went on a college road trip and Marion and Lady Bird are both listening to the end of the Grapes of Wrath on tape and both are crying about it. They're like moved and they have this nice connective moment where they both understand, you know, each other and they understand this experience they just had and how beautiful it was or whatever. So then immediately after it ends, Lady Bird tries to turn the radio on and Marion's like, oh no, we should just, you know, sit here and listen think on what we just experienced or whatever. And so we see that Lady Bird and her mother in this scene are the same and then how quickly they can sort of switch it and they be completely different. Or at least they're the same, but they disagree. And so here's where the drama comes in. Um, And so then they get into a huge fight about, you know, whether or not Lady Bird is appreciative of what she has and whether she's embarrassed and all this stuff. And then... (laughs) And then Lady Bird gets so annoyed by her mother that she opens the car door and just throws herself out of the car, literally on the side of the road. (laughs) And that one second where Marion is like berating her and then she (laughs) falls out the car and she just, her mom just screams. And then it cuts to a cast like Lady Bird wearing a cast that says, F you mom (laughs) is just, I think it perfectly sums up Mm -hmm. the whole relationship that Lady Bird and her mother have throughout the movie. They're constantly disagreeing about things because I feel like they can't see the other's perspective most of the time. Which who, if you don't watch this movie and can, if you can't understand that you and your parents were that exact same way when you were a teenager, I don't know who you are or where you came from because it's 100% correct. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it really it's it's spot on in that whole different different the different viewpoints you have between someone who's about to go through the big life change that she's about to go through, who's in that waiting position, who doesn't know what they're in for, who doesn't really know what they want and like kind of like creates things that they want that may not actually match up with what the realities are, but you have to like you have to look for something and you don't even you don't even know what's out there. And then like the realism of your parents and like their experience and you being like, there's no way it's Oh like no, that. I totally I totally I get to it. And you were just this. like mom, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, like, I know, I know, I remember course. that too. I very, um, very clearly But remember. so that is my favorite thing to watch through this is it is really interesting, particularly yeah. Lady Bird, of course, thinks yeah. that her mother doesn't know what she's talking she doesn't understand, she doesn't get her. Um, and that's mostly the cause of Lady Bird's issues with her mother. Meanwhile, I think you see a great portrait of a mom who is struggling to keep everything together and struggling to find where she fits in in the sense of letting her daughter figure things out, but also protecting her and trying to help her when she really doesn't necessarily know how to, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, and that's probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. I think that, well, I think that I was going to, you know, I had different areas for writing and directing and acting mm-hmm. and stuff, but here I will just go ahead and do them as they come along. I thought that Laurie Metcalf did an amazing job as Lady Bird's mom. And, uh, I said this in the Oscars episode and I will say it now too. I really think she was robbed of an Oscar here. I thought I would have voted for her over Allison Janney as Tanya Harding's mom. I thought that she was so nuanced and there's so many subtleties there and you can just see them on her face sometimes. And I also love the scene where at the end of the film, Lady Bird is going off to the East Coast school and her mom drops her off. But, you know, she makes excuse. Her mom makes excuses about why she can't come inside to say bye to Lady Bird. And so she drives away and then she almost instantly regrets it. And just you have this scene of like the camera yeah. on the dashboard of the car and the emotions that. Marion goes through after she drops her daughter off, realizes she's not going to see her every day. She's not going to be able to fight with her every day. She's not going to be able to help her every day. And she changes her mind and wants to go back and see her. But then Lady Bird's already gone. And it's an incredible sequence. Yeah, it actually really is in a way. And uh, I mean, Laurie Metcalf in that scene, incredible. Yeah, I don't, still don't know how we're sitting here not talking about her Oscar <laughs> win for that one scene alone.
Yeah, uh, it's, yes, she does a very good job. I mean, it just seems like you've put a camera on um, someone's mom. It doesn't, it doesn't oh, really Oh, yeah, it like actually really is, and I have so, things, I kind of so have well something to say about that when opinion. we get to it later, uh, but I think a lot of let's run through like a couple that, of though. other things. So. Um, while her mom and Lady Bird are always at odds, her dad really tries to help her. Um, and so that's really cute. It's cute to see the different sides of it. I feel like a lot of people kind of experience that one of your, you might have more of a more contentious relationship with one parent than you do the other at times. I think sometimes because you're too similar to that parent, (laughs) but, um, Lady Bird and her father really get along and her father does everything he possibly can to help her. Even though I think sometimes Lady Bird doesn't realize that, um, her father's really struggling to do some of those sometimes. And so that's really hard. Um, it's just an interesting aspect of sort of Ladybird's character that I could probably get into, but I'll kind of save that a little bit for the end when we, I think sort of talk about Ladybird herself. Um, the other interest, well, the other interesting part to me is sort of the guys that Ladybird uh, deals with through the movie. Um, she has two boyfriends during the movie and they're very different. And what happens with the two of them is very different, but I think both of them deserve a point. Um, I think we can start with her first love sort of his name is Danny. Um, he's actually played by Lucas Hedges, uh, who's from Manchester by the sea. So, um, so Danny is also in the theater program. So when mm-hmm. Lady Bird joins the theater program, he, uh, they work together and she has a huge crush on him instantly and they connect really quickly um, and of course, you know, they're in love and they're doing all these romantic things. Um, Lady Bird goes to his grandma's house for Thanksgiving instead of staying at home with her mom, which causes a point of contention, certainly. Um, but then, so the relationship ends because Lady Bird, after the play, the musical or whatever premieres, Lady Bird catches Danny making out with another boy in the guy's mm-hmm. bathroom, um, which is an interesting point. But their relationship, it's so, it's just, their relationship is shown because that part sort of shows part of Lady Bird and every teenager's sort of naivety is, you know, she thought they're going to be together forever. He's just perfect and everything about him is fantastic. And, um, you know, we actually get, a, I think we get a really strong performance from Lucas Hedges, even though he's not in a lot of the movie. He only has a few scenes. Yeah. Um, the one where, after they've broken up, Lady Bird's working at the cafe and he sort of corners her outside when she has to take the trash out. Yeah, I was going to bring this he one up. Apologizes, yep. he apologizes to her and just basically, she says, you know, I, you know, Lady Bird was angry because he lied to her and, you know, the things that come with that, which is completely fair. But then also she still has empathy for him and then he just basically starts crying <laughs> when she says she forgives him. Yeah. And it's such a nice, sweet little moment there that yeah. certainly I can understand and I can kind of relate to aspects of. But yeah. I just love that. And I thought Lucas had just did such a great job with the little that he even needed to do. But it was really great, I thought. Yeah, no, it's a great scene. I was going to bring it up for the same reasons you brought it up. Plus just like the... Um, the I guess the uh, roundness that that gives to Lady Bird and my surprise and actually like how how quick she was to have such a compassionate reaction when she had been what seemed like so irrational up to that point in the movie a lot of the times that you I just expected mm-hmm. her to lash out because of the way it was with other relationships but it really showed that there was more to her and like was very memorable one of the most memorable spots in the movie because of both both his performance and her character's reaction and the way it was I think the way it you know, the way it turned my expectations on its head and left the rest of the movie up kind of for surprises. It was nice. Oh yeah. I can definitely see that, you know, up until this point you see Lady Bird one way, but then you do see that softer side here. And I think the movie is inc- interesting and so incredible because it's just such a complicated portrait of a person and yeah. you know, everybody's yeah. complicated in this way, but this movie really allows you to see multiple facets of all of its characters. Like you can almost tell, which maybe I picked up on this because of obvious reasons, but you can almost pick up from Lucas Hedges performance until you find out that he is probably gay, that you can almost pick up these little subtle details that are like, 
that's a little weird. And you think this is a little weird. Like, you know that they're not going to be together for very long. Yeah. And then when you find out why, it's sort of like, oh, yeah, well, obviously. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. But given it given it from her perspective, where you only see it in, like, the moments of, like, her enjoyment. With or him, when you remember yeah. how in love with somebody you were as a teenager, which you should have seen all of the signs in advance. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so, and then I think... I think we can also talk about a little bit about, um, so there's also a series of events that happens to Ladybird in that she sort of tries to get in with this popular crowd. And this involves two other different people. So Ladybird oh, yeah. has one best friend, her best friend. Um, I think her name is, let's see what her friend's name is. She has one friend, um, this Wikipedia thing doesn't even say what her friend's name is. <laughs> Julie. That's her friend's name. Oh, I'm like, oh my gosh, what's her name? I wanted to call her Birdie for some reason, but I guess that's not right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Julie is Lady Bird's friend already. And they, you know, are good friends and they do the musical together and all those things. But Julie's kind of uh, geeky, kind of nerdy, like not really popular. And Lady Bird herself isn't popular either. So at the point after Danny and Ladybird break up. Ladybird starts to insert herself into like a cooler crowd. So she becomes friends with like the bad girl at school who wears her, you know, skirt too short and they yep. vandalize the nun's car and do all these like cool alternative things. <laughs> and meanwhile, yeah. Ladybird also develops a crush on this guy, Kyle, uh, who is played it's by Timothy. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, he's in a band and he reads really <laughs> like, um, I'm trying to <laughs> really philosophical. He has a lot of values mm-hmm. about, you know, capitalism's bad and like all of these things. And conspiracy theories. Yes. Yeah. A little like bad, like the bad boy vibe, but he's also like too cool for school and, but he's really not that bad almost in a way. It's kind of funny. <laughs> um, no, yeah. So he and Ladybird get together. Um, and eventually, uh, he, he and Ladybird have sex. Um, so Ladybird loses her virginity to him. And that's very important to her. But then in that moment, she real, she finds out that he wasn't a virgin when she thought that he was. And that was really important to her. And so then she sort of has all of her illusions about this relationship shattered again. So the second time that this has sort of happened. Um, and yeah. simultaneously, her relationship has already deteriorated. So Ladybird quickly makes friends with that the bad girl. I don't even like calling her that. She's really not that bad, but, um, but the popular girl, and then their relationship has already fallen apart because Ladybird had lied about where her family lived. And then when the popular rich girl found out about it, she sh- was mad that Ladybird lied and sort of cast her off already. So yep. now Ladybird isn't in with the cool crowd. And simultaneously at that same time, you know, um, Ladybird uh starts to realize that these aren't people she wants to hang out with they're not you know those aren't those people weren't her friends and they didn't like her in the way that her other friends did um so you know how many times have we seen this story play out but um so ladybird goes back to her other friends and does what she wants to do and she realizes that even if she was changing herself to fit in that that wasn't the way to go um ultimately and i think that is imp- that's an important aspect that we get in this movie too because it comes back at the end a little bit to me um i think it's really important for ladybird's character that she goes through sort of that moment because it i'll tell you why later anyways so um (laughs) is there anything else that happens during the movie through most of the movie that you want to talk about i would say um no it was it was very funny there are lots of good small scenes but i think that covers what i remember as being the critical i guess developments yeah actually sitting here the movie and i think that it depends on your sense of humor too but i love this movie because i actually do think that some parts of it are just funny like they're not funny in they're not funny in the will ferrell type of humor but there's just some things again i can never not laugh even when i think about it at ladybird just throwing herself out of the car like it's so funny yeah yeah or even small things like just just the like the 
too realistic portrayal of a JV coach being thrown into try and teach like a theater class. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I remember all sorts of moments in school like that. And just like everything he says is like precisely what I think that person would say. And it's funny. It's not funny because it's over the top or like unrealistic. It's funny because it's so it's so true. And seems so natural that like I can't help. But well, and her friend, that, like, the absurdity of real yeah, life. Yeah, and her friend Julie, I also think is just hysterical. Like the point where Ladybird is trying yeah. to like stay after the dance and make out with Danny, and Julie comes up and she's like, "Are you ready to go?" And Ladybird's like, "I'm gonna walk home." And Julie's like, "Wait, no, you're spending the night at my house, and my mom's gonna pick us up." And Ladybird's like, "No, I'm gonna walk home." Like Julie's obliviousness at that moment is just hysterical. <laughs> And then that crush that she has on the teacher is like, oh my gosh, Julie. (laughs) Oh yeah, rough. So rough. But actually, and I didn't even really bring this up, but I really thought that her name is Beanie Feldstein as Julie. That's the one that plays Julie. I really think she does a great job and she's really funny too. She doesn't have as much of an arc as some of the other characters, but I think she's really funny and she does a great job with the role too. No, yeah, it's like her character just centers around her relationship with Lady Bird. Like she like seems like she has a boyfriend at one point, she has a mom that you see at one point, but they never like they never play on any of that almost at all or if ever. Well, and that weird. That sort of comes back to one of the points I was going to make about the acting in this movie. The fact that Sir Ronan, Timothy Chalamet and Lucas Hedges easily three of the like up and coming powerhouse actors of sort of that generation are all in the same movie is hysterical to me. And even though I think they even knew that, like, but I just think that these are three really talented people that we're going to be seeing for a long time because they're all already Oscar nominated either the same year that this movie came out or from beforehand, because Lucas Hedges had one for, um, Manchester by the Sea, Sir Sharonan had ones for Atonement and Brooklyn, and Timothy Chalamet had one for Call Me By Your Name, which was the same year as Lady Bird. And then, with theoretically, they're all going to be in the Oscar conversation for next year, probably. Lucas Hedges is in Boy Erased. Timothy Chalamet is in Beautiful Boy. Both of those seem pretty solid to me. And then Sir Sharonan has that Mary Queen of Scots movie. Oh, that is him! What? He's the Beautiful Boy. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's God, just interesting... That all of these people are going to be such uh, prominent performers, I think, in a way. Yeah, this movie did catch some seriously great actors right at the very, like, root. Yeah, like, right on the precipice kind of, of... I guess, progression into yeah. success, yeah. Yeah, because they are, I mean, they all do great. Literally, everyone in the movie acts basically so well that it's it's hard not to appreciate it or just like feel like it's it's you're just watching life yes. play out very it's, subtle it's, it's almost so good not even yeah, subtle in yeah, that way like, but immersive. yeah they're just people who understand i think people who understand how to connect to a character in a way that's not over the top but that really sells you on what you're supposed to get from them so it's really interesting about yeah. in that aspect Crazy. i think um so anyways, ultimately at the end of the movie, so Ladybird does uh Ladybird's very excited. She turns 18. Uh she passes her driver's test. She's accepted to the New York College and somehow her family's found a way that they can afford it. But Ladybird and her mother have a huge falling out over the over being accepted to the school on the East Coast. So they're not talking. And even up until the day that Ladybird's going to leave, they're not talking. Um we see Lady Bird, like we've already discussed, Lady Bird gets sent off without reconciling with her mother. Although Lady Bird's mother had tried to write her a letter the night before she left to give to her, but she wasn't able to do that. She threw them all in the trash. The dad actually ends up putting them in Lady Bird's suitcase without her knowing. Um, so basically Lady Bird has all these sort of scraps of a letter and you kind of see what they say a little bit it's shown and they're very emotional and very like real and it shows that her mother and her yeah i didn't i didn't were trying to connect (laughs) yeah like they were trying to connect and they just sort of didn't (laughs) um and they or she couldn't for some reason whatever it was um so ultimately i think that that getting those letters and seeing them instantly sort of ladybird's coming back around and she's realizing i think a lot of the things about her mother and they even try to have some conversations in the movie they just never really go anywhere it's like they're close to being able to connect 
on that level, but they can't do it. Um, so Lady Bird goes to school in New York. There's a whole sequence about how she uh, goes to this party. She meets this guy. He asks what her name is, and she doesn't use Lady Bird. She uses her real given name, Christine. Um, and but yes. she doesn't. It doesn't seem like she uses it out of she wants to be called Christine. It almost strikes me in that sequence as she's embarrassed to say Lady Bird, so she doesn't. Um, she gets really drunk and gets hospitalized, mm. but then she gets out of the hospital and it's Sunday. She goes to church. Mm. She goes mm. to a Catholic church and attends part of the mass, uh, comes out and calls her parents and she wants to talk to her parents, but I don't think they, they don't answer the phone. So she leaves a message. She says, it's Christine no. in a way that very much claims that as her name. And she sort of thanks them. And, um, has come around on them and their relationship, I think, in a positive way. And then that's where the movie ends. Um, so I did want to talk, we should probably talk about a little bit about Lady Bird. So I think that, like I said, it's certainly the movie's about her coming of age, um, sort of realizing who she is. And I love that at the end, she sort of, I think that the Lady Bird character was sort of about attention in a way that isn't, too strongly shown in the film, but obviously is an aspect of it. And then by the end of the film, I think Christine has found who she is and who she's comfortable being in a way that she does. It's not performative and is not fake. It's like, she's sort of kind of found herself in a way the movie doesn't show too much of that, but I think it's certainly about that in a lot of ways. Um, I think the subtleties in that. Yeah. yeah, It's it's called called lady bird. Yeah, it's called Ladybird because it's her fake name and it's her finding finding who she is and accepting, I guess, even more so who she is once she's found that out and then, you know, throwing off the name that, you know, she had given herself. I, yeah, it is a given exactly. name. I gave it to myself. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I love that part too. But, <laughs> so that's really interesting. Um, I will say that sort of, so this, <laughs> I think we're sort of done with a plot here. We can just, and we've mostly talked through all of the themes. Like I said, most of it's about um, coming of age and the relationships and things like that. Um, I think we did a really nice job of hitting all of those. We talked about the acting. Yeah. I did want to circle back sort of a little bit to just the writing and directing because so much of it is from Greta Gerwig herself. And that's really important. But to cap it off, mm-hmm. I really thought that Sir Ronan did a great job with this. Um, it would have been competitive between her and Sally Hawkins for uh, the monster, sea monster love movies, Shape of Water, for best actress in my book for me. I couldn't figure out why I couldn't remember love. the name. But it would be very close between the two of them for me in terms of best actress. I think I said that before. But I just thought that... I will say that I actually I actually um, read the script. And Lady Bird was so... Ir- like, I had read the script after I'd seen the movie. But in the script, when I read the script, I was like, Lady Bird is so annoying. Which I never... I never felt too much oh, like yeah, that in the... Before. Yeah. When I saw it on the film, but when I saw it on paper, she seems much more irritating. Um, I guess, and I think it's just because Saoirse Ronan brings such a yeah. empathetic, almost like an understanding. Like, you get it. And on the paper, it doesn't say that as much as it does in terms of her performance. Well, yeah. I think the wrong person to play this character could have done it in a bratty way that would have made you just, like despise everything that she was and like also agree with the mom and that she wasn't appreciative or whatever but i think playing it in a way where you're convinced and you're not bratty that's just like who you are and you're trying to find yourself and like you're saying these things as a part of that whole experience it becomes it becomes yes. real because everyone does that in their own way and you can yes. relate so absolutely to i thought search runner did a great job so. and really this segs segues nicely into kind of I wanted to talk about Greta Gerwig's writing and directing. So Greta Gerwig wrote the movie herself. It's sort of it's been described as semi-autobiographical but Greta says that nothing in the movie literally happened in my life. It just has the core of truth that resonates with what she knows. That's sort of how it was phrased yeah, by her. Which makes sense to me. Um, and sense. to prepare oh yeah you can see it. It's very it's sort of personal yeah. in a way. Even if it's not her story, you can tell that there's a personal nature to it. Um, It says to prepare for the movie, uh, Greta Gerwig 
gave the cast and crew her old high school yearbooks, photos, journals, uh, and actually took them on a tour of her hometown, which is, of course, Sacramento. So um, I'm sure that certainly helped with the care with the characters and putting them in that space. But also, um, a, a lot of that character, a lot of that important dialogue is very well written within the film or in the script. And a lot of what you see on film really does come from the script. And I think that's really, I, I was really impressed when I read the script that's so, it felt so similar. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are certainly some differences, but you know, it was pretty close there. Um, and then on top of that, I thought that Greta did a great job um, capturing the performances of her actors, which we've already said are incredible. And then allowing uh, their acting subtleties to really show up on the screen. It's, I think, I don't always think that people do a great job with that. And I thought it was really well done here. Um, it does, even though Ladybird dislikes Sacramento, I think that there is an element of care and appreciation for that place that you see through the film. And then of course, Ladybird comes around to it at the end. Um, and uh, it's kind of artistic in a way, well, it just feels, like I said, it just feels personal. And I think that's important. And apparently Greta had told the cinematographer that she wanted the film to feel like a memory. And it's, I feel like that was perfectly done. Mm. It almost, you all, it almost feels like somebody looking back on what their own experience sort of in this phase of life. Yeah. And it, so relatable almost that you can see yourself in that. And so I just think that that's just so, I thought it was so great and really well done. Um, and then of course, uh, Greta was nominated for original screenplay and the fifth woman nominated for best director too. Mm. So it's funny that I saw this the week after, uh, seeing eighth grade because eighth grade, Oh, I knew you were going to bring that up literally this movie, but in eighth grade and add like, you know, 2018 instead of 2002, it's literally the same. It's the same idea. And I like it for the same reasons. And I like it just as much, if not more, because this one is closer. It hits closer to home for me and what I remember about my time at that age. Like obviously in eighth grade, like I, I was lucky to have a flip phone if I if I had that. So like I don't I don't really right. So that's a little different. Snap, but... na- Snapchatting other dudes in eighth grade, like I don't know anything about that. But uh, this one I think was was perfect, and I think a lot of people oh, yeah. at that time can relate. But it's just like just like eighth grade, and I think eighth grade definitely, if they weren't already done with the movie, took a cue from this one on on maybe some of the ways they did some of the things they did because it's like strikingly similar, but accomplishes oh, yeah. very well also. And it's different. So I can totally see aspects of that there too. Um, and so, so what has been the reaction to other people that you've gotten from other people about the movie? Because I watched this movie with my roommate. He also loved the movie. Um, one of my, and then I told my friends to go see it and they, the three of them went with their, with one of their, with two of their mom, um, their mom loved it, but the girls didn't like it so much. So um, is, I don't know if that's just sort of that's absurd. a taste thing. It certainly could be a taste thing. I don't understand how you could have, which we basically did. We basically almost lived through this period ourselves yeah. and are looking back on it now. And in a way where you can appreciate the fact that she's a teenager and all these things are happening. I don't know how you couldn't <laughs> appreciate this film for just that aspect alone. Maybe you don't think it's super funny, but... I thought it was hilarious and I thought it perfectly captured that sort of time in your life, especially if you sort of lived through it too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. At that time. I completely agree with you. And the two, the two comments that I can remember about the movie from my friends were one, I have a friend who their relationship with their mom is so insanely similar to this relationship in a lot of ways, like almost down to like exact dialogue cues that I know I've talked to my friend about having with their mom. And I'm just like this, it, it blew my mind to watch this and be like, Oh, it's, it's, it's more real than I ever thought it could possibly be because it's like, it's, (laughs) it just, it just is real. Like it's, it's not, I don't think super uncommon, but it's, it's crazy that it could be hit as close to like someone I knew as i thought and i talked oh, yeah. to them about it and I'm they agreed surprised. they were like they were like yeah this movie literally my favorite movie of all time if not last year because it says to me so much about my life in a way that like is hard sometimes to look at especially if that's your life oh it's yeah like, it's weird it's it would be weird to see something so close to home played out 
But I think that's I think that's really cool, and I'm glad I got my friend's opinion on that one. And then I have another friend who said that the complete opposite that it was nothing like their life, and that they were just baffled at how someone could take something so far from what they knew and make it so relatable to things that they that they experienced that were nothing like the examples of what happened. And I I agree with both sides of those stories for different perspectives on like what's going on in this movie, or I guess different the way I look at the different events in the movie and the relationships. I, I think it's beautiful. And I think it does top eighth grade. I think eighth grade does its thing that it does really well, but I think this does much more. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that you've enjoyed it so much. And yeah, I totally get everything that you're uh, the people that you've uh, heard from that have seen it. But yeah, I think it's a great movie. Again, easily one of my favorite ones from last year. So um, I'm glad we actually covered it too. I think it was a pretty decent conversation. Yeah, I miss when all indie movies felt like this, like it accomplished so much with just like, you know, the dialogue or a little bit of the mumble core, a little bit of like the simple directing and like the letting the actors like play play the role and like show the characters emotions without having to worry so much about everything else that you make into what is like your standard movie these days. And I feel like that's where indie movie making started for me. Like when I jumped on board and like I could actually find them and watch them and like what I liked about them. And this harkens in my opinion, back to the times that were better and it was still new and fresh. And this really did put a spin on it. I'm surprised I didn't see this when it came yeah out. it doesn't it really feel ten, 10 out of 10. it doesn't feel overdone which is really nice it feels very natural and very uh and it hits all those points that we've sort of discussed that were important in sort of a perfect way so it's really excellent yeah i agree well anything you want to say to wrap no, it up? i think that's all we did a really good job covering it i feel like this time yeah no i think that was uh i like the way that we decided to go about talking about it and it i think it makes more sense with the oh yeah definitely we we wanted to cover so very cool all right well that is it for another week with the popcorn brothers it has been us thank you so much for listening you can find us online on twitter and facebook at pbmc podcast you can email us pbmc podcast at gmail.com and uh yeah you know find us wherever your podcasts are available except for spotify because soundcloud is not supported by spotify i looked into this and we might be changing a hosting provider at some point if i can actually get together everything i would need to do so it would be a big jump but you know what isaac i think that might be worth it and i it it baffles me that they do not have a relationship and i'm mad at both companies (laughs) i'm more upset with soundcloud but that is only because i pay to be on soundcloud to host this and it can't be on spotify anyways thank you so much we will be back next week with a movie where we have both seen a normal this week at the movies a new trailer and we will be watching what did you said you decided it's your movie we're gonna watch rushmore (laughs) Ah, Rushmore. We'll I'll get to talk about Wes Anderson. So back to the golden age of indies that I just hearkened, said this hearkened to. We will be fully discussing what I loved about those movies and when I found them in late high school. So at the same time period that Lady Bird takes place. Anyways, thank you all so much for listening. I'm Eli. I'm Isaac. And this has been The Club. <laughs>